This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Thursday, February 24th. I'm Nyla Boudou. Here's what we're following today. Why more women of color in the U.S. are dying because of pregnancy or childbirth. But first, our one big thing. Russia launches a full-scale attack on Ukraine. Those are air raid sirens in Ukraine's capital, Kyiv, this morning. That audio is courtesy of the AP. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky told his people to stay strong as Russian forces invaded his sovereign nation by land, air, and sea overnight. Vladimir Putin ordered what he called a special military operation to, quote, demilitarize and denazify Ukraine, end quote. Explosions could be heard throughout the country, as Russian missile strikes were reported in multiple cities. And Putin added a stark warning to nations who interfere. The U.S., for its part, issued its own stark statement, with President Biden saying he'll be meeting this morning with NATO allies and, quote, the world will hold Russia accountable. I asked Axios co-founder Mike Allen what he's thinking about this morning. Nyla, everything we're seeing and hearing from Vladimir Putin is faster, broader, more aggressive than people in Ukraine had expected or certainly hoped. It's pretty much what the Biden administration has been forecasting. We were just never sure how much bluffing we were hearing from either side. Well, turns out Putin's buildup was no faint and the dire warnings from the White House were spot on. Now, I want to call our listeners' attention to one line in Putin's invasion speech. Laced in there was a nuclear warning. Putin said nations, quote, will face consequences greater than any you have faced in history, unquote, if they interfere with the invasion. Why this matters? This is a rare overt threat of nuclear attack, one of the most chilling public warnings of the modern nuclear era. On Capitol Hill, there's concern about how the U.S. could get further drawn into this war. Axios' Jonathan Swan and Zach Basu spoke to chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee, Mark Warner, who warned about how cyber attacks could also pull the U.S. into an armed conflict. Zach's with us here to explain. Hey, Zach. Hey there. So, Zach, a lot of this comes down to one article in the NATO charter. What do we need to know about Article 5? Article 5 is really the bedrock of NATO. It states that an attack on one member should be viewed as an attack on all members. It's only been invoked once in NATO's history after 9-11. And in recent years, NATO has added cyber to the definition of possible attacks that could trigger Article 5. You know, it's worth stressing that NATO would assess this on a case-by-case basis and has never actually had to consider that question seriously. But, you know, it's something that Senator Warner and a lot of other experts think should be part of the discussion now before uh, it's too late. And Senator Warner is head of the Senate Intelligence Committee. 
He said there are two ways the U.S. could be drawn into this via a cyber attack. What's the first way? One of the things we know about how Russia intends to carry out this invasion is by unleashing cyber attacks against Ukraine. They've been doing this for years now as a way to destabilize Ukraine. One scenario that Senator Warner is particularly concerned about is if Russia deploys you know, a massive amount of malware to take down Ukraine's critical infrastructure. This happened in 2017 with a type of malware called NotPetya, and it ended up escaping Ukraine and causing billions of dollars of damage for companies around the world. You know, these kinds of bugs are designed to multiply and overwhelm targets and just wreak havoc. So there's no reason that they would necessarily stay within Ukraine's borders. And that would be something that would possibly invoke the NATO charter? I mean, it's possible the scenario that Senator Warner laid out is, let's say this malware escapes Ukraine, hits Poland's electrical grid, and a school bus or something crashes because a stoplight is out. That's the kind of scenario that he's scared of. And what's the other way? So the second way this could happen is if Putin responds to heavy sanctions by the West by retaliating through targeted cyber attacks. You know, he could target the electrical grid in a NATO country. And in theory, that could be viewed uh, as an act of war against a NATO state. And, you know, that country may bring it to the alliance and say that Article 5 should be invoked. NATO recently said that the way that NATO would respond to a cyber attack would not necessarily be with cyber. It could easily escalate into a conventional war. Axios is Zach Basu. Thanks, Zach. Thanks. Of course, there's going to be so much to this story throughout the day. Axios has a dashboard to track the latest news. We'll include a link in our show notes, and I'll also tweet it out. In 15 seconds, we'll be back with the widening racial and ethnic gap in U.S. maternal mortality. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. The U.S. continues to have one of the highest maternal mortality rates in the developed world. And unfortunately, the pandemic has made that worse. New data from the National Center for Health Statistics shows a significant increase in deaths from 2019 to 2020, particularly among Hispanic and Black mothers. Dr. Melissa Simon is an OBGYN at Northwestern Medicine and director for the Center for Health Equity Transformation in Chicago. Dr. Simon, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. What do we know so far about why these rates have gone up? We don't know exactly what's going on, but um, in 2020, we saw the start of COVID, and that drove even more inequities. It created even more of a divide for access. It created some fear for people to not want to get care. So all of these things actually compound to drive these inequities in maternal mortality outcomes. And can we talk about the number of deaths for Hispanic mothers because that grew by almost 45 percent? Are there other factors at play, particularly for this group? Data are um, lumped in together for all Hispanic pregnant and birthing persons. And so we do need to actually understand a little bit more about which Hispanic groups, is it Puerto Rican, Mexican, others that account for these increase in maternal mortality? 
But in general, what has happened in this country that are driving these inequities in maternal mortality outcomes are things like racism um, and structural racism and discrimination. It created even more of a divide for distrust in the healthcare system. It created some fear for people to not want to get care. So all of these things actually compound to drive these inequities in maternal mortality outcomes. So when you say racism, can you give an example of what that looks like? Systemic racism can take the form of many things. One is in policies that have, for example, in a highly segregated city like Chicago, have segregated the south sides and west sides of Chicago with decades of disinvestment from redlining and other types of policies that have shifted resources away from south and west sides of Chicago that have high rates of poverty and lower access to um, high quality education, more food deserts, more violence. And all of these factors compound on top of each other. And they're driven by structures and policies and practices that have actively disadvantaged these communities. There is currently some legislation in Washington that could address this. What would that do? So there is the Momnibus Act, which was created by the Black Maternal Health Caucus. And it's a set of 12 pieces of legislation that actually were folded into the Build Back Better Act. So it is in Congress right now. And that includes helping to build the workforce, helping to make sure that there's mental health services available, helping to ensure that there's better care support through a variety of means, including community health centers, helping to support veterans who are pregnant. So all of these different pieces of legislation as a whole are super essential to helping move forward our health care care in this country for pregnant and birthing individuals. Dr. Melissa Simon is an obstetrician gynecologist at Northwestern Medicine in Chicago, where she's also the director for the Center for Health Equity Transformation. Thanks, Dr. Simon. Thank you. That's it for us today. If you have a minute to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, I'd really appreciate it. It makes it easier for other people to find us. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.